the heat, the Bunsen burner just got turned on you if you are underinvested in the marketplace, if you do not have enough capital in the marketplace. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, absolute code cracker. We're going to dig into the rat race. Yes, quite often, if we do not look after ourselves, if we remain uninvested, we can end up in the rat race longer than we need to. And of course, property investment is just a vehicle for many people to get out of the rat race. And of course, if you're not familiar with the term, the rat race, it really is the idea that human beings unpleasantly have to work to keep up with the cost of living. And of course, for many people today, they are very much stuck in the rat wheel. It's not good. So today we're going to go over some big shifts which are happening inside of our world, our landscape, our economics. And of course, uh, if you study the idea of demography, if you study the idea of economics, these big shifts come along. And if you're not playing the game, well, when the tide goes out, you can very much be caught with your pants down, so to speak. So we don't want our pants off when the tide goes out. We want to be wearing board shorts. We want to be covered up. So today we're going to dig into some of the real challenges which are out there. And of course, people are facing these challenges right now. The big shift is here. So hey, welcome aboard. If it's your first time tuning into the show, welcome back you urban property investors, let's do this. Let's have the rat race conversation. And of course, uh, when it comes to the idea of demographics, economics, there's all sorts of reports out there that you can read. You can dig into ethical guides into all sorts of stuff, the future forecasts and insights into economics, demographics that... uh, expose you to international housing markets. You can grab reports on the future world. It all sounds great. Uh, In fact, some of these reports are so, uh, I guess, uh, well phrased by academics that quite often I think they just miss the mark. I think we should just call them the rat race report. The reality is today I want to talk to you about money. I want to talk to you about the shift of the have and have not society. It's happened. I've been talking about it for years now. It's actually happened. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today about the inability for people to keep up with the cost of living and, of course, the rise of distrust. And today we're going to discuss robots. Yes, robots. Uh, robots are taking over things. I'm wearing a robot as we speak today. I'm actually tracking an elephant. Yes. Uh, right now, if I go on to my tracking app, I am looking at Habalab, who is my elephant that I sponsor. 
And uh, Habala is somewhere in East Africa. I'll just uh, show those people watching on YouTube. There's, there's Habala. She's just cruising around with other elephants, tracking her on my little robot uh, on my arm. So robots are out there and things are getting wild. We've got chat GDP, which, uh, you know, is, is blowing my mind. So big stuff happening, big shifts. And of course, you as a property investor are in the money game. And the problem with it is the problem with, I guess, the rat race is the speed that the rest of the world goes. And of course, if you can't keep up with that speed, you are in a position where you're just having to move those little feet faster. It's kind of like, you know, quite often we refer to it as uh, swan economics. You look at the swan, everything's beautiful on top, but underneath it, it's paddling away to to keep up uh, its appearances. And really the rat race is just that. Not everyone even wants to play the rat race. But of course, today that those that haven't been part of the rat reel uh, are getting absolutely obliterated. So as a person in Australian society, I personally believe, and this is just my belief, that you live in a capitalist country and if you live in a capitalist country, you have to put capital into the marketplace. You have to invest. You have to invest harder than you probably even know you need to invest. You need to buy more, save more, uh, and invest bigger when it comes to asset creation to end up in a place where you're financially sound. So many people are going to head to the pension. We already have close to 4 million pensioners in Australia. Uh, and of course, that number is rising every single day as people tap out and run out of ability to self-fund themselves. So the big shift, I think the biggest shift is money, the reality of money. Now, again, a lot of these great reports... Uh, the Inequality Report, uh, they are written by academics. I'm just going to lay it on the line right now and say one of the biggest shifts right now is money. Uh, people are concerned about it. People are concerned about interest rates. They're concerned about uh, global economics. They're concerned about the rising cost of living. McCrindle just did a study in January. Great demographers, I work alongside them, uh, get them involved in my company a lot. And, you know, close to 80% of people today are concerned about the rising cost of living. And that makes mathematical sense because uh, a smaller proportion of people inside society actually control a lot of the wealth. So that smaller proportion of people aren't necessarily too concerned about interest rates or the cost of living because they're financially independent. And of course, this is the big paradigm shift for many people inside society. It's very hard now to keep up with where, it, uh, where society is going. And it just means you've got to take some personal responsibility for you to get you to a better place. 
And of course, uh, when it comes to the idea of people feeling anxious about economics, people are anxious about global uncertainty, they're certainly anxious about interest rates and the cost of living. And this is quite interesting because I've been talking about the idea that the split of the have and have nots in society is going to unfold. And I'm here to tell you the big shift is it's unfolded and we'll go through some of the logic behind that. So it means if you're not in a great financial position now, it's going to mean you're going to have to work extra harder to get into a great financial position because things just got harder. The the heat, the Bunsen burner just got turned on you if you are underinvested in the marketplace, if you do not have enough capital in the marketplace. Now, you can get all depressed about that if you're listening and you don't have enough capital in the marketplace, if you don't have enough assets, income producing, real estate, uh, assets that throw out dividend shares, stocks, whatever it may be, or you can fight back and do something about it. Really, today, my message is a call to arms. It's time to fight. It Do not sit around because... Again, uh, we are in quite interesting times where we have this kind of paradigm shift where people today uh, are feeling a little bit uncertain. Uh, Certainly the rise and the cost of living is uh, stretching people. A lot of people aren't able to keep up with the cost of living today. And of course, this is seeing the rise of different frameworks that people work. Now, again, this is just smart. If you have a job, that's great, but you need a side hustle today to succeed economically when it comes to cash flow. Uh, Not many people today are capable of just having one job. And the rise of multi-work experiences is, is, is happening in all sorts of industries. You know, uh, I've got a bad neck. My neck's stuck. I can't move my head. So being down to the chiropractor, having a good chat with him. Great guy, owns the chiropractor, uh, chiropractory. Is that what you say? Is it a re? It's like a factory, but a chiropractory. Uh, and he's got some chiropractors that work there, but they can't get enough work from just his practice. So they jump around town. So people are doing all sorts of things to keep up with the cost of living. They're in the rat wheel, if you like. And again, like exchanging your uh, time for dollars is quite often a punishing concept. So one of the better ways to do that is not just exchange your time for dollars, but then take those dollars and invest in income producing assets. And of course, uh, this is where a good balanced property portfolio works very well because you can quite often get yourself uh, an asset which is going to look after itself and produce income. So today though, if you were to go off some surveys recently done, this is again by McCrindle, uh, around 44% of people in society today just want the one job and to do it that way. 
Over 56% of people inside society are looking to do some sort of side hustle, be an entrepreneur, not quite an entrepreneur, kind of halfway between uh, a a fully-fledged business person and really just doing something on the side, whether that's some sort of eBay store, whether that's some sort of side hustle doing Uber, whether... It's uh, some sort of framework on YouTube or uh, just running a market stall on the weekend. People are having to hustle to create this extra revenue concept in their world. And again, this is where we've seen this quite strange paradigm shift. The big shift is the great resignation. People are, you know, sick of the rat wheel because they're not keeping up with the rat wheel. So they're like throwing in the towel. I can't keep up. I'm going to go live in Bali uh, and see if that works out. They're quite quitting, pretending they're actually working and then actually doing something else on the side. And of course, we are seeing the rise of automation, AI, the robots. The robots are here. i got more robots than I can think of now. I've got the vacuum cleaner robot, uh, which is a marvel. You just put the, put him on and he runs around the house. You can vacuum in the house every day without doing anything. I've got the whoop. Now I'm whooping. Uh, it tells me how I sleep, when my REM is. Uh, I didn't even know about REM. Now I'm studying my REM, my sleeping patterns. When I'm in the deep sleep, my brain's resetting. You know, I'm being told, I'm like an iPhone now. I wake up and and this whoop thing is telling me, mate, you're only at 83%. You didn't sleep well enough. You didn't get enough battery recharge. So we are seeing some fascinating tools. And of course, this enables uh, certain uh, skilled economics to unfold, but it also creates a challenge for people who quite frankly, are not going the distance when it comes to reskilling, re-educating, retooling, or are uninvested and do not have the capital to keep up with the rat race. And of course, all I'm suggesting here is it's time to pull the finger out and get moving because things are pretty bleak for people economically who are falling behind. Remember, our job is to keep up not only with the cost of living, with CPI, but also set ourselves up so that we have a financial framework in our retirement to live off income. So the big shift has happened. Like the middle class has been split. I've been saying it's coming. Now I'm saying it's split. I'm not talking future tense, uh, tenth, tense. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm. It's current. This is it. It happened. And really, uh, the paradigm shift, if you like, is being felt now from people who thought thought they had least security through tenancy, really were like, you know what, I'm not even playing this economic thing. It is so expensive to get into real estate. I'm not even playing. I'm just going to rent. I'm going to rent for my whole life. And uh, I'll just have a nice cost of living. Well, that's blown back in renters' faces, hasn't it? I mean, we are seeing big, big, big changes in what rental values are. And of course, if you're a landlord, wow, aren't you the winner? However, if you're a tenant, 
uh, and your now uninvested and really falling behind the rat wheel or the rat race, geez, now it's getting harder. It's getting harder. Your world just got harder. Perhaps you don't even know it got harder. But of course it's got harder because now it's harder to save, save a deposit. It is harder to, um, you know, you know, it's harder to get a loan. It's harder all around. And the real split has unfolded. People in Australia do have money. We are not a broke nation. The average household net wealth, this is this is the guide, right? Like this is bare ass minimum, which is uh, pretty crazy because when we go through these numbers, what you'll end up finding is really uh, these are averages, but actually they're distorted because a lot of people actually have house the most household wealth in the highest quartile of people who uh, are out there. So let me explain it. Household net wealth is broken into five categories. The lowest uh, category, uh, the second lowest, the middle, the, uh, the, the second highest, and the highest. All right? So when it comes to net worth, the lowest people in a household context inside society have a net worth of $35,000. So if your net worth is $35,000, guess what? You are falling behind. You've got to work out how to catch up. Now, obviously, there's different age brackets. We'll discuss what that is. Uh, The wealth of the average household in the top 20% is 93 times the average wealth of those in the bottom 20%. That's crazy. So if we go to the highest household net wealth, which is the uh, which is makes up 63% of all of Australia's private wealth, the net wealth of people who sit in the higher section of the market, uh, these people are financially free. Um, they make up or their net worth is $3,267,000. So unless you're worth over $3 million, you're probably, if we go back to the conversation around 80% of people are worried about you know, the cost of living, 20% of people aren't. Well, guess what? That 20% is in the highest net wealth bracket. Now, your job is ultimately to keep up to the best of your ability with where the world is headed. And of course, that means you've got to understand the money markets, what the cost of money is. You've got to understand big shifts, disruptors, potentially people around you doing two or three jobs. Why aren't you doing two or three jobs to keep up? We are all in a bit of a race when it comes to human performance. I know it's nice to think that you can go through life and do really nothing and, uh, you know, that's going to work out. There's really no study ever created to show that that is going to be a success. That, I don't know, like 
uh, doing a few TikToks and dancing around and that's your formula for economics. There's no study that that's going to be a, a, a successful thing to do. Sure, it works out for a few people, but I would imagine that as many hustles as you can do, you got to go and do it. Now, again, for me, I've been in this boat. It's not like I'm uh, immune to this conversation. You know, when I was growing my wealth, going through my acquisition period, assembling assets, buying as much as I could. Remember, in real estate, there are three parts to the puzzle. Acquisitions, managing and maintain what you have acquired, and then going into financial freedom of living off the income or legacy of the whole period. The whole period is going to take 20, 25 years. It's going to take forever. The acquisition part is an important part of the cycle. This is when you're buying things. So you might need to double down when you're going through acquisitions on making more money come into your system. Perhaps one job just doesn't cut it today. Perhaps it's two jobs. Perhaps it's three jobs. Uh, certainly when I was going through acquisitions, it was full-time work. It was uh, uh, two side hustles. I was doing um, work on business and I was running a market store. I was doing all sorts of shit to try and make ends meet. And so uh, I, if you like, um, if I even went off today's standards, I went from the lowest quartile of people um, that had private wealth and jumped to, within 15 years, jumped to the highest quartile of people uh, inside of Australian society by virtue of private wealth. So it took me 15 years. Um, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, I did it. So you can do it. I started out in real estate. I had $30,000 I put into a deal and I didn't even make that work. Uh, and, you know, today, tens of millions of dollars of real estate. So you can do it. Everyone can do it. It's just takes a little bit of faith and a bit, little bit of action. So here's the real, you know, these, these are interesting things, right? So if we go back to the uh, average household net wealth by virtue of generation, it's, it's very interesting. Like, again, like if you, if you think about the lowest quartile, they've only got $35,000 worth of net wealth. I don't even know what that might look like. Maybe that's some cash in the bank. The second uh, section, so section two, which is the second lowest quartile, has $252,000 of net wealth. So if you've got $252,000, that's where you are. You've got to be honest about this. That's where you are. You might feel like that's a lot of money. Uh, you're, you're, you've got a long way to go. The third quartile starts to get nice. You're at $588,000 worth of net wealth be a mixture of savings, super, real estate assets. However, you're still in the rat race, if we're being honest about it. The fourth quartile, which is uh, a good quartile to get into, you've got over a million dollars in net wealth. But you're not in the highest group 
which owns 63% of Australia's wealth, which is over $3 million. Now, remember, when you have more net wealth, you actually become richer faster. And I've mentioned this before, but it's just the, the by virtue of compounding growth or compounding interest. It's the way it works. Like, you know, if you're uh, getting a 10% growth rate on $35,000 net worth, uh, you know, you're making, I don't know, 350 bucks. If you're getting 10% growth rate on 3 million, you know, you're getting $300,000. So all of a sudden, this gap just starts to widen and widen and widen. And we really are at a wide level. Now, uh, interesting enough, you know, if we were to look at um, most people in society, not one average group in Australia sits in the highest income net wealth. Gen Y, on average, if you're a Gen Y, you're, uh, if you're perhaps 25 to 34, younger Gen Y, on average, you've got about $350,000 worth of net wealth. So if you're a Gen Y listening and you're below that, you've got to do something about it because you're not keeping up. Uh, you know, Gen X, over a million dollars. Again, if you're an Xer, I'm an Xer. Uh, if you've got sort of less than a million in net wealth, you're not keeping up with the person you went to school with. They, they've got more. And again, like these are just real conversations. Now you may be completely anti-money. I've got heaps of friends who are anti-money. They play bongos, they smoke weed, they have a great time. Um, they're chilled. They go down the beach. They work two days a week. Um, and, you know, in some respects, they've got a very balanced, harmonious, uh, almost like spiritual life, if you like. But uh, that doesn't pay the bills. And right now it's not paying the rent either. And of course, this is where, in my viewpoint, we have seen really the big shift which is unfolding. The split has happened. There is a complete difference now in Australia between uh, the lower middle class, upper middle class and wealthy class, like completely different paradigm. And again, if we go to household income, which is an important framework because this is money coming in the door, you know, the top 20% of people inside of Australia earn 48% of all the income. And if we go to the highest quartile of what people earn at a household level, it's near on just under $300,000. So again, like this is what people are earning who are capable of just smashing it when it comes to asset um, activity. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be a sourpuss if your household income isn't close to $300,000 because you can still take action. You know, I lived off $25,000 per annum uh, for six years uh, when we started the business. That's all I was earning, $25,000 per annum. That wasn't uh, a lot of money even back then. 
between 2003 and 2009 when we started the business. That's what I was I was taking home. I was completely dedicated to to that particular uh, startup. Twenty five thousand. Uh, with that type of money, I had to side hustle to improve my situation. But again, like imagine work going to work, exchanging your time for money, sixty hours a week for twenty five thousand uh, dollars. You'd have to be crazy to start a business. That's that's why they say you know crazy people do start businesses because you do not earn a hell of a lot of money. My point with that comment is again like if you're in the lower quartile of the economy which is actually $25,000 according to the ABS Household Income and Wealth Australia report see these these are the names they use Household Income and Wealth Australia report just call it your broke report and we would all understand it uh the reality is if you're in that situation, you've got to work out how to earn more money because you're not going to keep up with the rat race. You're half a week away from being broke. And again, if we look at the second quartile of annual household income, it's 56000 Third quartile, middle Australia, if you like, $96,000 household income. Now, this is where people are getting stretched. Uh, and again to keep up with the cost of real estate, to keep up with the cost of living, it's going to take more. It's going to take more to to uh, to, to do. And, of course, uh, the fourth quarter, $143,000. So then you link that to housing affordability if you wanted to buy a home. Um, you know, the most unaffordable market in the world is Hong Kong, uh, Honkers, Everyone's gone bonkers in honkers because it's 23 times the annual income to buy a property. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's the case. It's not as straightforward as it may seem. There's all sorts of uh, all sorts of taxes that are sort of wrapped into buying real estate inside of Hong Kong, which alleviate certain income tax and so forth. But if we study, for example, the United Kingdom and USA, it's only five times household income. New Zealand, which uh, I work in sometimes, I've got uh, some business interests over there, is 11 times earnings and a uh, very unaffordable place for people who do not earn money or do not have net wealth. Australia, eight times earnings, eight, eight times income. And of course, uh, if you go and borrow money, you know, they're assessing it at seven to eight times income. So again, like you can still borrow money based on the housing unaffordability index. In other words, our banks still support our property values. But by way of example, if you went to Sydney, Sydney is now 15 times uh, household income on average. So Sydney uh, attracts, uh, has to attract higher income people in society. That's the way it works. And so you get this migration effect of people who are yet to become wealthy 
uh, yet to become, um, you know, uh, yet to to stake their claim in this world. Nothing wrong with that. They shift out to other places, uh, you know, your Adelaide's uh, and so forth. So Australia, the land of opportunity, again, getting harder and harder if you're not prepared to play the game when it comes to economics. We live in a capitalist country. It's your job to keep up with what that looks like. Now, again, like a lot of people throw hate when it comes to property investors. They think we are bad, the scum of the earth, because we uh, take tax advantages from things like negative gearing. We you know, perhaps make it less affordable for those to get into the market because we're in the market. Uh, I don't believe any of that nonsense. Um, The reality is real estate is a proxy for community. Community is a proxy for jobs. Real estate really is the enabler for economics in Australia. So, If you took away the uh, ability for communities to be created, you would take the ability away of jobs to be created. Uh, Everything spins off real estate. The community football team, the uh, school that needs school teachers. So again, like real estate's going to have a place. It will always have a place. But we're already at a point where today for a lot of people getting into the market, they they have to fractionally buy with the government. They can't uh, invest themselves. They need to co-invest. Uh, it is the way it's unfolding. It's not a dig. You should co-invest. If that's, if that's where you're at, you've got to co-invest. But do you see things are getting harder? Uh, and again, like this is just a race. Like get yourself out of this race before it comes and squashes you one in five Australians 22 percent of Australians have less than a hundred dollars in their savings account 22 percent one in five go for a walk up the street you'll pass five people one of those people less than a hundred dollars obviously they're working people Uh, that's how stretched people are and of course Tenants can no longer hide. And the idea, and and I certainly know people in in my world, I love them to death, but they've been hiding from the responsibility of borrowing money, of uh, economics, of capitalism. They've been removed from it. They didn't want anything to do with it. And the theory was, well, I'll just rent somewhere cheap and life will leave me alone. I will have uh, a happy existence outside of this financial ecosystem. I'll just pay my rent at every month. The rent's not too much. Uh, and life goes on. Now, the tenant market is getting smashed apart. Uh, you know, it is common for tenants to spend up to 30% of their income on rent. Now it's getting pushed further and further and further apart. So obviously for those tenants, many of them, we're already seeing this, they're the smart ones are like, 
I'm going to go buy something because this is a bit of a train wreck unfolding. And of course, again, we will end up in a place where we have, uh, you know, a larger tenant marketplace than we have experienced in the past in Australia. So the home ownership pool is shrinking. The tenant pool is increasing. And again, we are seeing even inside the tenancy market, a split in uh, basically lifestyle tenants and tenants which are half a week away from being broke. And it's interesting because you as a property investor, if you are a property investor, if you're listening to this and analyzing, well, where are the gold nuggets when it comes to buying real estate because I'm ready to go, I want to invest, uh, is, is the fact that we now live in a two-tiered rental market. I mean, lifestyle areas are getting huge amounts of rent uh, and, of course, broke suburbs, the rent is going up. Uh, it's going up by $20, $30, which is great, uh, proportionate to the tenant that's pushing their uh, percentage of their income. You know, it's stretching them. But then we've got suburbs where the tenants earn more than the landlord, like from an income point of view. And they're really lifestyle tenants. They're basically, you know, pre-purchase tenants before they buy somewhere. They're spending two years getting to know a place, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we are seeing, for example, because I run a property management um, part of the business, like we've got, uh, you know, over a thousand managements around the country and, um, you know, so we're, we're in the game of trying to push rents up, um, trying to, to get as much cash flow for landlords as possible. So, um, you know, that's the game we're in. We're in the game of helping people hold real estate for a very, very long period of time. Um, so, you know, it's like, wow, like, as I alluded to, I think I did it, I don't know, was it the last podcast or the previous podcast before that? You know, in Brisbane, um, we had a property, the purchaser paid 846 in 2019. Val came in, it was it was a pre-construction property, came in at 1.250, probably worth 1.3. Uh, big gain though, you know, over $400,000. Yep, great. That's awesome. But the new rent is really the, the big conversation. I mean, the quoted rent was $820, and we put tenants in there at $1,300 a week. $1,300 a week. Basically, uh, $480 surplus on where it was a couple of years back. Now, again, like, <clears throat> don't miss, the, uh, don't miss the, the real important takeaway here is real estate is a human experience and lifestyle assets in lifestyle suburbs create uh, tenants that can afford an untapped rental uh, payment. The wealthy really have an untapped ability to pay more rent. Now, again, like I just was renting a property looking at... Um, 
some of the applications. And if you go back to the framework of who's in the highest income quartile, uh, most of the applicants for that asset, which is in New Farm, were in the highest income quartile, um, which, you know, wow, they're earning $300,000 a year. One guy, uh, one applicant, a well, it was a, a family unit, earning $500,000 a year. Now, the rent went up $160 because they are capable of paying it. Um, now, I've, I've said this all along. And, uh, you know, I feel a bit validated, to be, to, be, to be honest, because, again, like, in the half a week awake from being broke, 20% of Australians have less than $100 a week. You're not going to get that income extraction that uplift, it's it's not going to happen because there is a tipping point where the person in that space just can't pay more. And of course, uh, you know, at the end of the day, why did we get that result? Well, constant undersupply of quality-based real estate and the fundamentals of a rental market in a wealth pocket. That's how it happened. And... These are these are big shifts. These are big shifts. Like you don't see that stuff inside the reports. Like the reports will say, you know, things are are not good for the guy at the bottom of the food chain. But wow, look at the person at the top of the food chain. Just boom. Yeah, I'll pay five hundred a week more. No worries. What does that do for you as a property investor? It helps you get out of the rat race. These are the big shifts happening out there. And of course, because the paradigm of the rental market being split in two now, now we're seeing trust completely be eroded with the struggling part of the rental market. And again, like this not to put the boot into that section of the market, Man, it's tough for those. It's tough. It's tough. If you don't earn, it is tough. And again, as a property investor, my advice is, you know, try and steer towards, you know, where the more fundamentals are inside of real estate, where the better places are, better suburbs, you'll get a better overall lift on your income for your retirement. However, obviously, um, Trust is eroded, certainly for a lot of people who are renters. They are uh, they're they're pretty burnt. Um, now they're feeling very vulnerable, very unsafe. It's not a good feeling being uh, or feeling when you feel unsafe. Uh, money makes you if or lack of money can make you feel completely unsafe. And so now we're seeing trust completely erode, um, trust in government, uh, trust in the media, trust in business, it's all being eroded. And so this is, this is again where you playing the game of real estate, getting out of the rat race, take, you've, you've, got to, you've got to plant the seeds. Um, you've got to make the move because... What's happening to a lot of people in society is they no longer trust the government. Uh, you know, look in America. I mean, they don't trust the government 
storming the capital. They're like, you know, loose over there. Like that's even even more dynamic uh, than than here. Uh, no one trusts the media. Let's face it. Uh, it's their credibility has just been thrown out the window. And of course, this is creating a doom loop, if you like, for a lot of people in society. They're spiraling out of control. And uh, again, this, I guess, when I thought of this show and, um, you know, putting it together, you know, I wanted to put it together just to remind you that, you know, you've got to make your move. Make your move, as Tony Robbins says. You know, so the doom loop, and this is a McCrindle concept, is declining trust in the people who hold power. Then you get this sort of rise of alternative viewpoints. So then you get this kind of like, I'm with the left, I'm with the right. I'm a, uh, you get this kind of rise of Marxism, rise of fascism. You get this kind of completely noisy space because no one trusts the normal media so then you trust uh bob from facebook uh and of course government responds with more regulation um increased uh you know increased uh strictness and then you get this kind of confirmation bias which fuels completely alternative points of view and so even the fact that I'm podcasting and, you know, uh, thousands of people are listening, like no one should be listening to me. I'm just little old Sammy Saggers. But people are looking for a alternative voice of reason because government isn't providing that with their 10,000 reports on inequality and we aren't seeing it from the media from uh the way that works we're not getting schooled on economics in high school no one does how to renovate a property in 12th grade uh no one is taught how to minimize their tax how to set up their superannuation properly you know, today you can have, uh, you know, well over, uh, uh, I think it's headed towards $1.9 million worth of assets inside your own super fund. $1.9 million worth of assets inside your super fund. Uh, it's set up as a framework for success, but who in society can put $1.9 million worth of assets into their super fund. Uh, it's all a fagazi. These things are set up to, uh, you know, make it possible, but it's actually very difficult for people. And so confirmation bias unfolds. People get all, uh, you know, start to go into this loop of listening to, you know, uh, whoever the algorithm sends them and quite often miss the right energy, right information, uh, right detail to get ahead. So hopefully you're understanding what I'm saying 
And maybe you even want to pay it forward and send it to a friend or family and go, man, just listen to this. Listen to this loose cannon. Talk about taking action, not sitting on the fence, not sitting on the sideline because, again, it's it's real. Like the trust uh, is has been broken for particularly people at the bottom end of the food chain. And, again, like – if you are listening and you feel like you're in the bottom end of the food chain, don't um, don't misuse money. Don't lack accountability with your actions. Like take action. You can get going. People can uh, still get involved and economically improve their life. I certainly don't want this podcast to sound like it's over, Red Rover. But it's more a alarm bell. Consider this an alarm that you know you need to take action because things are just more difficult for people. It was all fun and games in deflation when money was becoming worthless, and yeah, it was all like, "Yep, yeah, she'll be right. Um, I'll you know quit my job and I'll go and do you know." some videos in Bali and nothing will cost anything. And it's not like that now. You know, startups are going to be difficult. Like borrowing money for a company is more expensive. So perhaps there'll be less production of the next Google, uh, which is going to happen. So again, it's like we got to be smart here. we 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 got to be diligent around, hey, now it's time to do the work. If you don't do the work in this section of the market, you'll wake up in a very challenging place. If that means buying another property, you've got to do the work. If that means holding on to your assets, which you've put together and you're at the perfect point of your economic situation, you've just got to hold on, you've got to do the work. If you've got to save more money, you've got to do the work. If you've got to go and find a second job, you've got to go and do the work. You got to do the work. We're in the big shift. And the people who will pop out the other end of the big shift are actually going to be so financially prosperous. And this is where, again, like for almost like the, uh, the people who are at this kind of top end of the funnel, if you like, you know, they, they've created a huge net wealth. They've got a huge amount of income. You're seeing this sort of rise of virtuism. You know, pe- people's virtues are, are starting to be a thing. And again, for people really on all spectrums, the concept of, well, this is what's important to me. Um, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put up with that. Um, I'm not supporting that. It, it's it's happening. And again, like a lot of it is masking in my viewpoint that it's you can help the world when you're economically helping yourself and you can go into all sorts of cool things, environmental support, um, you can educate you can support small business, you can support elephants using robots, you can do all sorts of things. 
Obviously, we're starting to see as well the big shift in AI. I mean, we are now in the open AI era. Obviously, uh, you know, what's blowing my mind is chat GPT. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. It's kind of like another Google, you know, write this for me, do this for me. It's a, it's a little assistant. And of course, the knowledge economy is a big economy. You know, AI can now do 65% of all tasks, which can be basically automated. You don't need uh, the assistant anymore. You don't need, uh, you know, a basic level of help inside particularly the office environment. You can use robots. You can use AI. So, again, like, you know, the point of this conversation is education. You know, jobs are always evolving. I certainly know inside my workplace, everyone's always trying to improve. There's a lot of mentoring going on in the mo- at the moment in the workplace because, uh, you know, really we're, we're seeing a huge, huge disruption from uh, automation from technology. And again, like you just want to make sure you're playing the education game as much as you are playing the economy game at the moment. You know, the Gartner Institute predicts that uh, AI is, is going to, you know, save around $80 billion for government and business over the next two years alone. So we are in the start of a new paradigm, the big shift when it comes to how workplaces interface and and work. Um, and again, like this is this is where you've got to be on your on your toes because you can take advantage of these opportunities or you can uh, you know miss the boat here. You know, there's a big shift in the amount of people retiring who are business owners. No one wants to buy the business from the 65-year-old mechanic because no one wants to be a mechanic. Everyone wants to be a YouTuber today. So young people aren't necessarily buying out the old established businesses that are out there. So again, if you're a business owner and you're listening today, you're going to need an exit plan. You're going to need uh, a way to to capitalize on all those years you've put your business to work because there is a bit of a transformation on what people want to do with their life, where people want to live, and how people want to interface with their workplace. Now, uh I just think it's so critical that you educate yourself constantly to become an expert in your field. When you're a master of something, there's work till the cows come home. In fact, there are more mentees than there are mentors. And of course, if you can get to a state where you're mentoring someone or an organization or other people, you know you've mastered something. And of course, again, there is always work for masters in their field. So make sure you're always learning. 
Because here's the truth of society. We have a widening income gap. The top end of town has all the wealth. Even when we see things like Australia's real estate is a $10 trillion industry, well, a lot of that is at the top of the funnel. Globalization is leading to outsourcing. It's leading to uh, really lower wage growth inside of uh, inside of OECD countries. It's even creating wage stagnation and even job losses. So again, how important is re-educating, retooling, doing the course, going to the lecture, seeing the speaker, all critical. AI, robots, automation, artificial intelligence are replacing jobs, uh, particularly in low-skilled industries. And this is exacerbating income inequality. Once upon a time, my office would have a receptionist. It's a low-skilled job. Uh, it's, it's a job that's pleasant. Uh, it's not needed anymore. And again, like the, the concept of just understanding the world can be mean, the world can be unkind, don't put yourself in a position where you're vulnerable to the way the world can be. Take control of your life and you'll take control of your outcome. The housing crisis, the cost of housing has risen so much, especially in the best fundamental areas. Like you can't want fundamentals in real estate and not pay for them. If you want the best tenants that rent goes up $480 a week, you got to pay the privilege to get into that kind of market. The cost of housing has risen so much that uh, it's now difficult for low-income families uh, to afford a decent place to live. It really is. And again, like it sounds horrible, doesn't it? And it is horrible. But all you can do is try and be better, try and uh, play the game. And again, it all comes back to capitalism. You live in a capitalist country, try and be a capitalist. Don't, uh, don't muck around with this stuff because it just smashes you. Then your quality of life becomes a problem. You exist but nothing happens. I was speaking to a lady the other day. It was horrible talking to her. She said she exists and her day is watching television. She comes home and watches television because she can't afford to go out. She can't afford a night out, go to the movies, uh, have a wine with the girls. Her existence is watching television. Uh, she is in that situation. How does she get out of that situation? She's got to work her way out of it. It's all you can do. Get a second job. Spend the night time doing a side hustle. Uh, play a different game. Learn a new skill. Try something different. Uh, if we do the same thing over and over and over and don't get a different result, it's kind of insane, right? Albert Einstein said that. 
So education disparities uh, are real. Like quality-based education is very much linked to incomes. People who are, you know, learning are getting results income-wise. And I don't just mean degrees. I mean learning business skills, learning uh, life skills, learning psychology skills. They are learning and are getting a higher income. So go to the course, do the rah-rah, spend some time learning and uh, exchanging your time for wisdom because it will improve your world. Now remember, like we are in a place and time where there's higher cost for healthcare, higher cost for energy, higher cost for food, higher cost for insurance, higher cost for everything. And I think, you know, one of the conversations, you know, I recently had was, you know, when you become wealthy, what's the main advantage? And it really is healthcare. Like, you can just go for it. Personal trainers, smoothies, uh, you know, go see the chiropractor 16 times a week, six massages, two gym memberships, uh, the Whoop robot. Like if you've got money, really the only point of money is to, one, keep out of the rat wheel and two, look after your health. And of course, this is where, again, the health disparity between the have and have nots is is chalk and cheese. I mean, people are now uh, afraid to go to the doctor because bulk billing is kind of a thing of the past in most suburbs in Australia. Like, the even the doctors can't perform their job at the price of which they're reimbursed from the Australian Medicare government. So, like, you know, I I don't remember the last time I bulk billed because even in my area, there's no one who bulk bills. Uh, So you've got to be able to pay your way and lessen the burden on the system. And again, like, the only real reason for investment in my viewpoint, is two reasons. One, to live the life you want by not being stuck in the rat wheel and scared and anxious and unable to live. You exist, but you're unable to live. And two, for good healthcare. That's it. That's really the the the, the main crux of the conversation. Like, don't get run over by this steamroller because it's, it's here now. It's it's at your front door if you feel economically that you're behind. And if you're ahead, well done. Well done. Give yourself a tap on the back. Uh, well done. And guess what? Go again because it's, it's hard. And the more we embrace the fact that it's hard, we will succeed. So remember... Be a capitalist in a capitalist country. Uh, doesn't mean you have to be a, uh, you know, 
it means you can be socially conscious. It means you can help people. It means you can help the environment. You can do all sorts of those things. Educate yourself, reskill yourself, and invest. All right, folks, thanks for letting me be part of your world, and uh, I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.